0: it's now or never these players have had just enough time you are locked on trojans your daily podcast on the usc trojans part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Right on everyone, I'm your host Mark Holkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching me on YouTube or wherever you're downloading your podcast, we are free. I cannot express to you enough how much I appreciate your support. You can show your appreciation. It's really easy. If you're watching on YouTube, become a subscriber, hit that subscribe button, and by all means, please, please, please hit that thumbs up. It sets us apart from everyone else. And we come at you five times a week hit that bell notification button you don't miss an episode one of the labels that fans and others even some in the media uh, they like to hang um, they, they like to hang this around a player's neck and it's a, it's a term called bust so whether it's meant to be a, a pejorative or you know they're just looking to use in one word you know just just to be brutally blunt honest uh, calling someone a bust because they did not meet your and I hate this word this your expectation level look that type of label uh, that should only come from someone who has some skin and blood in the game in other words former players or the or the players coach I don't think fans have have earned the right to label a college football player a bust. And look, I'll be honest; I'm guilty of it in the past. You know, I've gotten caught up in you know some trash talking, but professionally, no, that's not my style. Uh, Look, there's just too many variables involved. You know, there's coaching changes, injuries, depth chart. You know, we're talking about that word expectation, star rankings. That's right there is where it kind of sets the table for these players, for these high school, some of you guys like to use the word kids. I call them young men. When you're, when you're setting them up, you know, you're setting them up to fail. You're not setting them up to succeed. So it, I guess it begs the question, if you're looking at the rundown for this show, uh, which vet, which veterans on USC on USC's roster needs to step up in 2023? Are let's talk about you know redshirt sophomore, third year player Mason Murphy, redshirt junior, fourth year player Andrew Malek, redshirt junior Andres DeWork. redshirt senior Gino Quinones. redshirt senior Cooper Lovelace. Um, is it? their time, do they have to seize the moment this year? Because uh, these are the vets who, you know, essentially they 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 arrived at USC before Lincoln Riley kind of took over. And if you've been paying attention, <laughs> it's hard not to, uh, in these last two years, there's been a lot of roster turnover. So these are the, these are the guys who have, that Lincoln Riley and his staff have found a value in and they want them around. But at a certain point, you know, your time, your window keeps that, that window's closing and you gotta, you kind of got to make your mark. Otherwise the recruits that are coming in behind you, these are the guys who this staff recruited and it becomes now of how much time do you invest in someone who's been around the program three, four, maybe five years and starting investing that time into the future. So if, you know, if they're not, if those guys on offense, on the offensive line that I just mentioned, if they're not part of the two deep this year, does that mean it's time to move on? I mean, let's not forget, offensive line is the toughest position, uh, the toughest position group to not only recruit, but, you know, to kind of forecast and develop. Uh, Mason Murphy and, and Gino they played a lot in 2022. But he also kind of got the sense, and it felt like, you know, Mason Murphy was getting passed up at the end of the year. For whatever reason, uh, you know, we can we can explore that maybe another episode, another show. Uh, but at the end of the year, um, other guys were playing ahead of him. And, you know, let me remind everybody, there's some talented freshmen coming in. At running back, is, is Darwin Barlow going to get enough carries this year? You've got Austin Jones. They brought in Marshawn Lloyd. And then is there anyone at their wide receiver, in the wide receiver room, that kind of deserves to be put under that microscope? I I don't believe there is. um, You know, when you take into consideration injuries and, you know, maybe what their rankings were coming in, coaching changes. Uh, Miller-Moss certainly doesn't belong in this conversation. Uh, Next year, though, different story. And I'm going to leave the tight end room, the tight end room alone, uh, just because of injuries. Period. They don't deserve to be even discussed in the bust room. What about defensively? Linebacker, John Davis. He came in highly rated, and remember, he flipped from LSU back to USC. Um, he uh, is this is this his year, or does he fall into the uh, you know? I'm not going to use the term "bus," but did not develop category. Yeah, I'm going to walk that line. <laughs> um, you know, which and again, that's another issue. How much is on the player, and how much of that falls on the coaching? See a right? You know, he was another one of those recruiting battle wins for USC. Uh, is he going to be a? You know. Dante Williams brought this up going into last year. Uh, Is he, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, so is he a full-time football player uh, with NFL aspirations, or, you know, is he going to be a future Hollywood superstar? By the way, I need to ask him if he is, technically, if he's on strike right now. Uh, So, find out. And then, you know, if you want to talk about the uh, other players in the secondary, Zamarian Gordon, Prophet Brown, Anthony Beavers, those are names that don't get mentioned by me often. They're all three-year guys. Is that trend with me not mentioning their names, is that going to continue? And then, look, I know everyone's like, Mark, when are you going to get to it? Well, the elephant in the room, (laughs) saving the best for last, Corey Foreman, uh, he has to be the one guy to step up a, among the veterans, right? Has to be. You know, you, you, you hate to use that, the B word, you really do. Because he still has two more years of eligibility. But when you take everything into consideration, his ranking, coming out of high school, the expectation level that, that everybody has, including coaching staff, Um, man, you want it to happen happen this year for Corey. Everyone's rooting for him. I know I am. I don't know anybody who's rooting against him. Uh, But by far, he has the most pressure um, of all the veterans returning this year, without a doubt. I mean, I've said it before, I'll say it again. There's a lot of high expectations, and I, I hate that word, but you know, every when you just to kind of for conversation's sake, um, it's probably why his name wasn't on the list for Thursday's media day. Of all the other players and coaches who are going to be there, Corey Foreman's name was not on the list. We'll get a chance to talk to him, though, during fall camp. That, I can guarantee. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. And you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster, and they do it for free. As easy it is to use LinkedIn to find a job, It's also just as easy to create a free job posting over there on LinkedIn. Once you add your job listing, you can then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile, and that's gonna spread the word that you are hiring. LinkedIn provides you simple tools like screening questions, and that's gonna make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and the right experiences so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and most importantly hire recruiting the right person for your team means a better product it's why small businesses rate linkedin jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors linkedin jobs are going to help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster so post your job for free at linkedin.com forward slash on college that's linkedin.com forward slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, I meant to talk about this at the top of the show, but it wouldn't have sounded right based on the way I introduced the show. Uh, thoughts and prayers for Bronnie James. Uh, if you haven't heard by now, um, His heart stopped during a USC workout on the basketball court at Galen Center Monday. But just so you know, he is resting comfortably. He's out of ICU, and everybody thinks everything's going to be okay. But this is the second year in a row this has happened. It happened with Vince Uwachuku last year. It's happened again. Anyways, all summer, so real quick, again, everyone, thoughts and prayers. Bronny James, we hope everything is going to be fine for the young man. We look forward to him on the basketball court this year with USC. Let's get back to uh, talking about this show and who's going to be the most improved players on the roster uh, this year, 2023. All summer, I've talked about the transfer portal. Uh, particularly all three levels of the guys that came in on defense. D-line, you had Bear Alexander, Jack Sullivan, Keon Bars, and Anthony Lucas. Linebacker Mason Cobb came along. Uh, In the secondary, you have Christian Roland-Wallace and Traquan Fagans in the secondary. And Eddie Chapliski over there, special teams. Offensively, Transfer Portal, just a reminder, Michael Tarquin, Jarrett Kingston, Emmanuel Pregnon on the offensive line, wide receiver, Dorian Singer, running back, Marshawn Lloyd. Every one of those names that I just rattled off, uh, they anticipate playing significant big roles this season. They played big roles at their former places. They didn't come to USC to for less playing time. So which guys who played big roles, played a lot of minutes for USC in 2022, I'm not talking about the guys who transferred. I'm talking about the guys who were already on the roster. Of those guys, who's gonna be the most improved so they can maintain um, playing time, keep similar playing minutes that they had in last year? Let's start on the op- – I'll, I'll just start with the offensive line. I mentioned Mason Murphy and Gino Cunones in the first segment. I'm just wondering, is this going to be a numbers game, or a numbers crunch for these guys? Lots of interior offensive linemen, even though Mason Murphy's a tackle. They brought in two guys who are um, slotted to play in, inside. One of them actually played tackle at Washington State, Jared Kingston. And then they also brought in Michael Tarquin, a tackle. So Fall Camp is going to tell the story. And I I guess where I'm going with is I'm not sure either one is going to play as much in 23 as they did last year. I'm referring to Mason Murphy and Gino Kinonis. That doesn't mean that they're they haven't improved. I just know don't know if you're going to see them on the field enough to. To, to see how recognizable it is if they are uh, that means yeah <laughs> they improved significantly and they've got the transfers playing behind them look if we're going to talk about quarterback miller moss is the only quarterback i want to see playing in 2023 that's not named caleb williams but that and i'm referring to and that's only in the second half of of, of the games when Caleb is resting. In fact, if Miller Moss is not in the first two games, San Jose State and Nevada, I need a good reason why. The other position group on offense is at wide receiver. Again, three players or more. You've got Kyron Hudson, uh, Michael Jackson the third. Brendan Rice, Mario Williams, Taj Washington. Now, I, I I said I wasn't going to talk about the transfers who came last year. I, I kind of have to <laughs> with this room. Uh, because Kyle Ford and Gary Bryant, yeah, well, one is a Bruin, one is a Duck. Oof. Yeah. Anyways. Um. Uh, among out of those out of that wide receiver group, who is going to be the most improved? Who's gonna bump up their playing time? Let's pull Mario Williams and Taj Washington out of there. I think those guys are going to see similar minutes to what they saw last year. So now let's narrow it down. Kyron Hudson, Michael Jackson third, Brendan Rice. I think everybody anticipates Brendan getting the first crack at it. I'm going Michael Jackson the third. I'm already on record. You know, I, I said it a couple weeks ago. Um, I in fact, I think he might even be the front runner on offense to be the most improved player. He might be a starter against San Jose State. Remember, I, I this segment I said who's gonna be the most improved players? The other, and the reason why um, those other wide receivers are probably already closer to their ceilings. Let's flip over to the other side of the ball. On defense, again, we're starting the trenches. Uh, the guys who played a lot. Uh, well, you had redshirt senior, Dejon Benton. You had junior, Corey Foreman, although he was rush end last year. Uh, redshirt senior, Tyrone Tulaney redshirt senior, Stanley Taufo. Um, And then, I'm not sure what year you actually categorize Solomon Tuleapupu solo. I'll, I'll just call him extra year. I hate using the word COVID year. So extra year solo. <laughs> and I think he actually, he might even be eligible for another year. I don't know. Um, I can find out though. I, I, he might be eligible for another year. Don't be surprised if he's back in 2024. But again, this is another numbers game. Uh, defensive line. You have, I talked about it, all those guys that came over through the transfer portal. So, Tyrone Tulaney was second on the team in sacks last year with five and a half behind Tuli Tuya. Pelotus, 13 and a half. I went all in with Tyrone. Um, but that was before the transfer portal purged, vomited uh, a whole bunch of guys <laughs> that are, are going to play this year. And I keep hearing that Solo is killing it. You know, I I saw a little bit during the spring camp. Um, so we just need to see the uh, we need to see him in the game. So coach, put him in. Let's see Solo make the complete transition from linebacker to defensive end Um, i've actually seen some behind the scenes footage don't tell anybody he's beating guys on that film um, that are going to be starters this year on the offensive line so solo will definitely be in the most improved category by far Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see um, how much playing time tyrone gets this year I, I still think he's going to get a lot of playing time. But he's not going to be counted on to play as much as he did last year. And that might make him even more effective. Will Corey Foreman get any? And if, is he going to get any playing time? At, with hand in the dirt, playing defensive end. And if, if he does become that guy... Uh, what does that mean overall for the defense? <laughs> because now you've got guys who everyone is thinking, ah, you know what, they brought these guys in because they just, other guys who are already on the roster, they, they've they seen enough. Fall camp is going to say a lot for Corey Foreman. Uh, who's going to make the bigger leap at linebacker? Again, I know I said I wasn't going to talk about transfers. But for argument's sake and on defense, there's just way too much turnover I had to. So between Eric Gentry and John Davis, who's going to be more improved? Uh, We didn't see a lot of John. So if he's on the field and he's getting significant playing time, uh, that means he's improved. Eric Gentry, uh, he's going to play more because he's a projected starter. Now, when we move to the safety category, uh, safety position, I'm taking Kalen Bullock out of the equation from everybody. Okay, who among the safeties will be the most improved? Guys who played a lot last year, um, those names include Max Williams, Bryson Shaw, Jalen Smith. Um, All of those guys played with injuries last year at certain points. Uh, And let's not also forget that Max Williams is a two-time ACL recovery guy. Out of the safety group, I'm going to go with Shaw, uh, if he's healthy, as the most improved. He's been with Alex Grinch the longest. He better know the system better than anybody. And they need somebody in the box to be that guy to compliment Caleb Bullock. At cornerback, look, if he believes, and I, I really do think it's all mental, uh, if DeMondi Jackson believes that his knee is is completely recovered, uh, he's going to be the most improved guy among the cornerbacks. But there's literally a room for two or three guys here. And. The more the merrier, because that means that's just more guys that Dante Williams is going to be sending to the NFL. Here's the thing. The bar was so low to meet this year on defense, there's going to be multiple most improved players, most improved guys on the defensive side of the ball. There's just nowhere to go but up. all right in this segment um we're going to talk about who has an easy schedule or who has a difficult schedule i'm going to put this picture up here why uh for everybody to kind of digest why i go over this as you can see and this is via pro football focus pff you know one of my favorite publications You can see that USC has been put on the having the seventh easiest schedule in the country. Meanwhile, USC has four top 15 teams on their schedule. Preseason, Utah, Notre Dame, Washington, Oregon. How is that on anybody's easy category? Please, someone, explain this to me. Uh, Look at who has the toughest schedule, according to PFF. Little USC. You know that school that's over there in South Columbia, South Carolina? Apparently, they have the toughest schedule in the country because they play Georgia. And they're also going to get credit for playing Jacksonville State and Furman, who respectively went 9-2 and and 10-3 last year. So those games, uh, apparently, they weigh just as much as USC playing an 11-2 Washington or a 10-4 Utah. (laughs) Makes total sense, right? You know who's not on either one of those lists that you're looking at there? the back-to-back champion Georgia Bulldogs. And that's because they have one top 15 team on their schedule. And I believe that's probably Tennessee, and it's way down the road on their schedule. This is this is Georgia's schedule. UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, University of Alabama, Birmingham Auburn, at Auburn. That's their first road game. Then they're home again, Kentucky. Then they go on the road at Vanderbilt. Oh, then they have a bye week. Then they go play Florida between the hedges, Jacksonville. And then they host Missouri. And then they host Ole Miss. Oh, and then they end up on the road at tennessee at georgia tech that's one two three four road games one neutral site jacksonville (laughs) that is what you call cupcake city it's an embarrassment look i get it san jose state and nevada it's not a murderer's row. Notre Dame, okay, that's that's USC's out of conference schedule. But it's a lot better than UT Martin, Ball State, Alabama, Birmingham, Georgia Tech. And then if you really want to compare conference schedules, you tell me. Is theirs tougher than USC's? Look, I, I, I've never been a fan of PFF. Get that out of. me get that out of everybody's face. Get that out of my face. Um, and I'm not a fan only because they use these weird formulas to come up with their grade their best or whatever player list. You just you don't really know what goes into it. But this list that they put for that they put out was pretty straightforward. Win, wins losses from the teams in 2022. And that's another example of why USC is getting that hell out of Dodge. They're out of the Pac-12 Conference. Because of perception. Stuff like that. USC has to work twice as hard to change people's minds. Even when they're, like, at the top of the mountain, they have to prove they belong there because of teams that they played in the Pac-12 that don't get the respect that maybe they they do deserve but they don't receive. It's it's not a level playing field. It's just the way it is. We you know, you've always heard east coast bias. ESPN they 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 suck on the teat of, of the southeastern conference. Well, there's some truth to that. There's also a lot of truth that there's just way too many schools from the Pac-12 that are an anchor around the around USC's next I get it. It's just another dumb off-season list. But can we at least try and keep it real? Make these off-season lists sort of, you know, realistic, worthy of wanting to uh, to put your name on PFF. Look, everyone. We're one day closer to USC fall camp, and. I'm gonna be meeting with the assistant coaching staff and the players on Thursdays. You everyday every day listeners and viewers already know that because I've talked about that. So you'll remember um, when I said that on yesterday's show. So make sure, everybody, you come back for another episode of Locked on USC tomorrow. And then when you're done making this episode of Locked on USC today, head on over to wrc.com. So until I see everybody back here,